Welcome to another episode of the Lottery Dreams and Fortune podcast. My name is Timothy Schultz. Today I'm going to be sitting down with Dr. Joe Gallenberger. Now, if you want to watch this interview or any other interview on this podcast, I will put a link to the YouTube channel for this podcast below. You're going to want to check that out. But without further ado, let's get to the interview. So I'm here with Dr. Joseph Gallenberger, who is a clinical psychologist. He's the author of three books. Liquid Luck, Inner Vegas, Heaven is for Healing. He has been training in psychokinesis for over 30 years, studying and training with this, as well as manifestation in our consciousness. He's worked with the Monroe Institute. He's a fascinating, fascinating person, and I'm so excited to welcome Dr. Joe Gallenberger to the program today. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Thank you, Tim, for having me on. Um... Excited to be talking with you. Thank you so much for taking the time. For people that are not familiar, how would you describe what you do? Well, starting with this idea of psychokinesis, people use that word and telekinesis interchangeably. And you'll usually see definitions of affecting matter with your mind. Um, I don't like that, that, that definition much. To me, the mind is like the steering wheel of a car. It would set direction of where the car is going to go, but the car goes nowhere without gas, right? And so in psychokinesis, what's very important is the energy you bring in. That would be the gas, if you will, in that analogy. Um, and we use in my work uh, the gas of unconditional love as being the best high-quality fuel you can to power our ability to affect matter. When we talk about affecting matter, uh, we do certain things in our programs like my home study, sync creation program at Monroe Institute called MC Squared, where we'll have uh, somebody hold seeds in their hand and get inch and a half root growth in two minutes. We also do bending metal, uh, bending plastic, uh, rolling Dyson patterns affecting slot machines, doing those kind of things in the area of what we call PK or psychokinesis. And I think it's the same energy as used in energy healing and then manifesting, where we're projecting our energy to create an effect in the world. So um, the reason I like the psychokinesis part is it's very studyable in a scientific lab. Um, and in fact, we've had data saying it's a Six Sigma event or better, meaning you wouldn't see these results even once in a billion by chance because uh, it's been well studied for many years, many decades. Um, I got to be a subject down in the lab at Princeton. I work with the University of Virginia now, uh, some with that, and we continue to study and verify. So we know we're just not making it up, if you will. That That is a lot to take in, but what is the most remarkable study that comes to mind? In some ways, studies are boring because they're an accumulation of millions of trials of data to get the reliability. For example, the first time I went to the lab at Princeton, they had a fountain bubbling behind glass. And the fountain, if you keep the water pressure the same, changes column height by random hydrodynamic law. The column keeps changing. And so the instruction was, Joe, keep it high for 15 minutes, make it go low for 15, leave it alone for 15 for control. 
And um, I use some of the meditation techniques that Monroe Institute uses. Uh, people are familiar with the term aura, you know, kind of a field of energy around you. I put that around the column of water for the high condition. For the lower condition, I imagined my energy being like a Star Wars lightsaber and kept cutting the water with my energy. Of course, you can't touch this. This is, you know, behind glass. This is a, a mental event. Uh, but the score came out, I think, 12.97 on a Z scale, where 1.96 would be only one in 100 by chance. So it's exponentially off the charts in terms of that happening just by chance in one trial like that. In the casinos, we've my favorite thing is to get royal flushes, which is a ace, king, queen, jack, and ten of hearts. Royal flush and hearts on the poker machines there. We know that's 160,000 won by chance, and I've gone in several times on the first pull. Uh, so uh, that's a nice um, uh, rush of energy when that comes through. We've had somebody um, uh, have a result on roulette at 1.6 billion to one by chance, um, those kind of things. Um, probably, though, the most satisfying is the energy healing things where we see, uh, for example, um, one fella had foot fungus on his nails for 20 years, and we applied some energy healing to him, and he woke up the next day, his nails completely free of any any sign of distress at all. Um, we've had folks report results with cancer, results with uh, burst into tears. One lady, the second day of my workshop, I give a workshop called Inner Vegas Adventure. We've done 99 of them, and we stopped at COVID. We'll probably do our 100th this spring. Um, a woman woke up the second day of that workshop pain-free from post-polio syndrome for the first time in 20 years. And so she was very tearful with joy about the relief of that chronic pain. So we get some pretty dramatic effects. Um, and in manifesting, uh, people winning $1,000 scratch tickets three day, weeks in a row or finding soulmates or, you know, getting new jobs, all kinds of things. Wow. That, <laughs> that is really incredible. And I have so many questions about your trips to to Las Vegas and manifesting mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. But before I get to that, I mean, how is this sort of thing possible to influence objects outside of ourselves or situations with mm -hmm. using, I mean, seemingly outside of ourselves, but using our energy and, and our consciousness on, on a fundamental level? How is that even possible, do you think? I think it's natural. Uh, we affect people all the time mentally. If I smiled at you in a store and never having met you, you probably will smile back. I have not touched you or made your mouth go into a, a shape, but just my emotional state, you seeing that with your eyes, it changes your, your field, if you will. But if you look at the quantum physics area, and Princeton University had a laboratory called Princeton engineering anomalous research, P-E-A-R. If people look online, they will see the articles in there giving some of the theoretical background of why this might even be necessary to explain quantum physics in terms of um, how we are in unity with 
everything and 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 can affect things uh, through our means that would appear to be non-physical now. What we've learned, it's very similar to not what I've heard in some of your other shows about winning the lottery and uh, all would be. Um, it's helpful to be out of fear, to be in very positive energy, to visualize clearly what your goal is. Um, and then you see some of this consistency of a lot of these things. You could go, oh, well, somebody's going to win a royal flush, you know, sometime today in Vegas. But what you're aiming for is a consistency that you can begin to look at and say something's going on there besides chance uh, on those. Other things like I'm going to show you some of the metal bending. This would never happen by chance. Uh, this is a heaviest Oneida steelware. So oh if I try with my hand to bend the metal, it just won't 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 bend, and I'll leave big marks in my thumb showing the pressure I use. So, but so when you we are, do this, so so there are people that are some people are listening to this and and not aren't able to watch, but for the people that are listening to this, you are holding this, these pieces of silverware that are bent together, like out this of a sci-fi a little, movie, but this uh, is happening. This is a little harder to see. Um, it's such a tight bend. It actually goes around twice. This again is the heaviest Oneida wear. And I've had metallurgists look at that and say it's impossible because of the molecule chain in the metal would just cause it to snap if you used a, a machine to pressurize it. And if you heated it, there would be stress marks from the heat. Um, and when they look at that under electron microscope, it looks different than if you bent it by force. So these would be kind of things that aren't statistical. But in the lab, these are very hard to study because you can be accused of using sleight of hand magic um, and fraud, uh, because it is easy for a magician to do all kinds of things, you know, with their hands that look like um, they pulled a car out of card out of thin air, etc. But when they do do this in the lab, they use often master magicians watching high speed cameras in every direction. The person has their shirt off, things that they can to reduce the chances that there could be fraud or cheating. But in general, the scientists like to stay with the statistical things we've mentioned. But you see the same thing. Um, there's a fellow who worked at Princeton Labs. He's uh, got a book out called The Selection Effect. And they use mainly random number generators. They're picking one or zero. And much like the lottery is random, this should happen randomly like heads and tail coin flip. And um, when he would get to the point that would be equivalent of flipping, let's say, 10 heads in a row, he would become aware that part of him would begin to fear that it would not continue, that this streak would blow. Mm -hmm. And also another part of him would fear that it would continue, because to continue would change his belief systems about how the world works and how much power he has. And when both of those fears of success and failure come together, that tend to be when it would collapse. But if at that moment, he some reason thought of his grandmother and all the beautiful cookies she used to make, maybe even be able to smell the cookies, 
and remember how the warmth of her hugs and his heart would open, he could go through that and roll the equivalent of 13 heads and 14 heads and 15 heads. Um, so this idea of using love to get rid of ego and to go through the barriers, uh, I think is real important. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Lottery, Dreams, and Fortune. My name is Timothy Schultz. I'm so grateful for you for listening. Now, if you want to watch this podcast on YouTube, I will put a link to the playlist for this podcast below, as well as a link to this specific video. Let me know in the comments below the video what you think of this interview. I love checking out your comments. As always, thank you so much for listening. Now, let's get back to the episode. I mentioned Timothy to me that this is a natural thing. What do I mean? Well, sleep is natural. How do you go to sleep? You feel tired, you feel a need to rest. And so you say, well, gee, I think I go to, I'm going to go to sleep. That's your intention. And then you forget about it and you think of something else and you let go and you fall asleep. Well, if I put you on television and said, okay, I'll give you a million dollars if you fall asleep sometime in the next hour, why 10 million people watch you, you probably couldn't fall asleep, all right? We've taken something natural and now we put too much effort into it, too much self-consciousness into it. So that occurs in this energy healing where somebody goes, oh, gee, you have a headache, I can take it away by putting my hand on your shoulder. Would you mind me trying? Sure, go ahead, boom, the headache goes away. But if somebody says they have cancer, the person that would be sending healing is tempted to go into ego. Oh, this is very important. This person's life is on the line. Um, how do you get out of that ego state and let the energy flow naturally? Um, that's the kind of thing I teach in my home study courses, with my meditations, in my um, workshops, is to take something that's quite natural, but allow that to flow to happen when we'd be tempted to be an ego when we're tempted to be in fear, when we're tempted to be self-conscious. Does that make sense, Tim? It does, yeah, that's that's fascinating. So but this it, explains why it's not going on all over the place all the time, you know, that uh, uh, you have this, this is weird, this could be of the devil, this is pow more powerful than I thought I was, um, this is going to make me feel different than my tribe. They may not like me having special powers, right? All of that. And um, and that has to be let go of for this stuff to flow. The lottery thing is interesting to me because uh, I've heard guests on your show that say random number to generating and numbers people pick work, work, uh, win the same. But I've seen quite a few people where there's some love thing going on. There was a couple, she was from Japan, I think, and him from Ohio. And they were in love and she had to go home. And he said, give me your address. I'm going to win the lottery this weekend and go pick you up. And he won $21 million in the Ohio lottery. Oh, and my went, gosh. Yeah, he went and picked her up, you know. Um Wow, and I I see it often works very well, you know. I've uh, I know a fellow who won three million playing poker in uh, Vegas, then won I think it was three million. It might have been six in the Florida lottery, and this is probably twenty years ago. Last time I checked, he had that up to seventy four million because he had invested in real estate, etc., 
and he does a lot of good for charity. How can you influence the outcome of a lottery win or a casino game or mm-hmm. anything like that and, and create the outcome that you want to win money? I would say it's a natural ability. We've mentioned that. And but like playing the piano, people have different levels of personality and talent for it. Uh, there are some people who are naturally ebullient, generous, positive in their energy. They will have a little bit easier time. Um, for example, I, I decided to try to do a meditation that would summarize some of this 20 years of work into a half hour and give people a taste. And in there, we use an image of you are a wizard or a, a tremendously powerful uh, manifester, and you're sitting there, and in front of you, you imagine a glass vial filled with golden liquid. And into there, you put in the energies of happiness, and you say, I am happy, and you really feel it. And then the energies of uh, feeling abundant, feeling grateful, feeling compassionate, because that gets you out of ego, uh, feeling praise for everything as it is in the world, and then feeling fortunate. And then whenever you want to have a lucky day, like go to buy a lottery ticket, you imagine taking a drink of your elixir, uh, we call liquid luck. That's the meditation name and the name of the book. Um, And as that came out, we were having people win lottery, you know, scratch tickets three weeks in a row at $1,000, larger tickets once in a while. Um, and in general, uh, folks saying, gee, I've never won a slot machine in my life, and now I am. And so what we were putting in is very high positive emotions uh, in a way that tended to reduce fear, melt ego, expand one's energy, and set then a fairly clear intent it's funny, it's a, there's a clarity, but there's a playfulness. Um, in the Vegas workshops I do, I interview everybody before going out. And somebody said, I need uh, to win desperately to pay the mortgage next month. I would uh, advise them to get my home study course and do some other things, but not go to Vegas and immediately play because it's likely their fears would overwhelm their ability. Um, so we're looking for it to be um, something there. So things that work for people would be, oh, I'm doing this because I'd like to uh, help my children out or my grandchildren out, or I'm going to do these wonderful things in the world, um, things that are bigger than yourself, um, because that tends to take you out of ego. So how to do it to me, first step would be um, make sure your energy is flowing in a loving direction and that you're uh, seeing this vividly but playfully. So movies like The Secret, to me, they um, emphasize visualization a lot, which I think is great. But without the energies and without dealing with the shadow, if you will, of a person, it's less likely to happen. And if it does happen, the shadow may take over, and then you'd have <clears throat> the lottery winner who may win and, and, and go through it all in a year. What what do you mean by shadow? Uh, Things that we don't tend to express or even be aware of in ourselves. Okay. So if you had a feeling, I don't deserve this, that could be a shadow issue that would come into play to win in the first place or if you won to keep it. 
Um, there can be nothing in our culture, nothing good comes easy, no pain, no gain. Okay, so if this came easy, it can't be good. Uh, waiting for the other shoe to fall. You know, there's stories, somebody won in the lottery and next week they get hit by a truck, almost like there was some balance in the universe uh, that I, I judge as superstition, but can affect people's uh, mentality as they go about these things. Um, so that's what I would mean there. There's some big ones. Uh, when I talk to most people I work with, they're, they're looking at for new information on the web. Uh, they're exploring their selves uh, as more than just a physical body. And I'll say, how many of you are seekers of truth and justice? And, and all the hands go up. And I say, wouldn't you rather be a finder? It's a different energy. Yet for 20 years, we could have been seeking the answers. And then we get into a habit that we're a seeker and we define ourselves as that. Then that's going to affect us being able to win the lottery because it's always just a little bit away from us because we're seeking, not finding. Um, our culture is based on survival of the fittest from the old Darwin stuff. The latest in biology would indicate the real prime directive of nature is for the good of all because of all the genetic sharing among organisms, etc. Building a society on for the good of all is very different than a society survival of the fittest. All of these things come into play if you're trying to manifest or win the lottery. Are you the fittest? Why should you win? You know, if I win, will it take away from somebody else? All of the, that thinking has to be, in my opinion, cleaned up uh, to allow energy to flow powerfully enough for these things to come in easily. So there is a saying with psychokinesis that PK is impossible until it's easy. And, and some people have that feeling, you know, about winning the lottery or manifesting too. You know, put all this work or effort and it seemed very difficult. And then it, when it happened, it was almost like it fell in my lap. Yeah, it's, an, it's incredible. I, yeah. I've interviewed quite a few people that have won the lottery and other prizes that had, many of them believe strongly that they manifested their wins and... Mm -hmm. For myself, I had this very vivid dream where it felt as if I was going out of body and uh -huh. experienced that it had already happened. And then after that point, I believed that it was going to happen. And there were some yes. other other things that happened with people telling me they thought I would win. And I was telling people I thought I would, you know, and that sort of thing. Yes. But but it, it's it's really remarkable. I mean, w with the little information that you know of my own situation, do you think that could have been manifestation or what do you think that that might have been? A large lottery win, meaning a million dollars or more, let's say. Um, and nowadays, of course, that could be a billion dollars. I think, you know, this is just like stuff I can't prove, but I believe we are more than our physical bodies, that we have a spiritual component, that these kind of things are agreed upon and arranged and worked on in a co-creative way that we co-create the life we're going to have. We might uh, decide on some very challenging things in this life. I've worked with people who say their child died of cancer at six years old. Most of them, if they get into it deeply enough, can remember before coming into this life as that being part of this plan. 
um, for sacred purposes, but it's a very painful thing. Um, anything large and dramatic in the life in life, I think we are often in a co-creative process, but we may not be conscious of it. So we can't have what we call new age guilt. You know, if we uh, have something bad happen to us or those around us, uh, you know, it's not what we consciously wanted, but it can be part. Stepping into that, then you can bring your conscious mind and learn skills. Uh, you know, it doesn't take 20 years in the East now to learn how to meditate. The brainwave patterning meditations that I use, um, people slap their headphones on, the downloads on my website are under 20 bucks. They have it in two minutes, and, and the thing is a half hour long, and they report within five, 10 minutes being able to relax more deeply than they have perhaps in their life, and then bring in this expansion of energy, reduction of ego, increase of love energy. And then when they visualize going to the store to get that lottery ticket or that job interview going well, or whatever their heart is set on, um, it's more likely to flow. So we have ability to step into this quite consciously. And that said, we have influence, not total control, you know, um, and that's probably, in my opinion, to the good. You know, when I when I was I worked for 30 years as a psychotherapist, as well as working, teaching meditation mm -hmm. and um, most common time kids would come in and it's in early teenage years and their parents kind of taking him by the collar saying, you know, fix this child, give them an exorcism or something. They are such a pain to live with. And I'd say to the parents, well, what do you want? What are you trying to tell your kid? What do you want for them? And they, they describe a six lane interstate straight as an arrow of you finish high school, you go to college, you finally meet somebody, you begin to date, you date a long enough time before you have intimacy with them, you get a good job, you get that all established, then you think of having children, blah, blah, blah. And I'll say to the parent, well, what was your life like? And they they draw a squiggle in the sky, showing all these bends and turns in their personal journey mm. of a river. And I say, well, maybe your child's rebelling because you're trying to put this straight and narrow on them. Maybe it'd be better if you taught them how to kayak <laughs> down life's uh, unexpected turns. And then we got something, and the kid says, I'd like to learn that. I just don't want you to tell me how I'm supposed to do everything and in what sequence. There's a temptation in all this. The religions are we're aware of it, uh, Eastern religions particularly, that all this could be a distraction to bend metal like that, to grow seeds in your hand, to win the lottery. It could distract you from a spiritual path. Yes, potentially it can, but it also can be the path. You know, whereas somebody wants to learn how to bend the spoon, uh, that can teach them how to open their heart, how to send energy, how to project it, how to get out of ego, um, how to maintain center and balance when there's pressures around them. And, and the proof they're doing that is they're able to bend that metal in front of 200 people. How does that happen? Are they physically, I mean, we're talking about our consciousness and our, our mindset and beyond that, our energy, but are they holding on to it and turning it? How does that there, work? There are many ways. Um, one can hold on to it with two hands. 
and you feel what the metal feels like in terms of the strength and know that you cannot do it by physically bending it. Uh, and then there's some very active yang ways we could say where you yell bend. And uh, in fact, one of the people getting started with this named Jack Hawk, he was working for McDonald Douglas Corporation as an engineer. And the US government was concerned that people could mentally influence the delicate equipment in a jet and bring it down, mm. you know, in like a fighter jet. And so he had parties of 300 people, including lots of kids there, and they would yell, bend. And some people would feel, you feel it gets warm, uh, noodle-like softens, and then for a second or two, it's very bendable, and then it stiffens again. So that would be a uh, one way. Another would be you're talking to this metal, if you will, talking to the molecules, getting into relationship or oneness with them in a soft, more feminine flow. Uh, for example, there, somebody had a very tight fork, having no luck, and it was a guy. And then he thought of his dog and how much his dog loved to be massaged between the toes. And he imagined doing that to the fork between the tines and the fork just melted for him because this energy was flowing again in a loving direction. So there's more than one way, um, but uh, all of them involve that flow of energy some way. For anyone that's interested in learning how to do telekinesis or the bending of spoons or you know, altering objects like that, what's the quickest way to start doing that? To do you that? can just watch a video online and it may be a fake or a real, I don't know, you know, on YouTube, somebody could do it by sleight of hand or perhaps pre-soften the metal or edit the video. But what's important is you would feel inspired and you could go just try to do it. But the more reliable way would be, uh, for example, using my home study course, sync, like the word synchronize, S-Y-N-C, and then the word creation, C-R-E-A-T-I-O-N, so synccreation.com. There's three personal coachings with me, um, a large workbook, lots of uh, exercises to do to get energy moving and to get rid of uh, beliefs that might be in the way that might limit um, and and all of that, uh, and it comes with its own metal and dice and spoon and seeds to grow, uh, at least the uh, version we send to you by mail. Um, and you can begin to play and practice with that. Um, on the manifesting, probably a short way in is that liquid lock book and, and meditation uh, called Liquid Lock, the Good Fortune Handbook. It's on Amazon or my site. But the meditation's only on my site as a download or CD. Um, if you just type in liquid luck, you know, it'll show up on search uh, with my website and stuff. Some people like to do this in a group. I mentioned the fellow Jack Hawk doing a group of many people, but you can do it on your own. Um, when we do the MC Squared program at Monroe, we introduced the metal bending about the third day of a six-day workshop. We often get about 95% of people in the group knowing and being able to do it. And that includes little old ladies with their hands all crippled with arthritis, barely can use any physical pressure. Um, 
But the person that tends to have the easiest time is a child because they uh, nobody's told them they can't do it. <laughs> and uh, so that's a hint for the adults also to go into that egoless inner child kind of state, playful state. And they say that children are more in tune with that sort of thing as far as, you know, experiences and psychic experiences, seeing, seeing and experiences spirits and that sort of thing. Would you agree with that along the same lines? The Chinese have an interesting relationship with this stuff. Sometimes you could be executed for even thinking about studying this. And other times in their politics, they encourage study of it to the extent that they would take children uh, and bring them into special schools when they were, five or six years old and teach them anything was possible. And they have film of the stuff flying around the room, uh, uh, ripe apple going back to green, uh, things teleporting, dematerializing, rematerializing, metal bending, sticks breaking at a distance of hundreds of feet, all kinds of things. And then what they tended to find is as most kids reached adolescent, that stuff would sort of quiet down. Very few kids kept that through afterward, after, you know, uh, reaching puberty. Um, And they found that kids from the country tended to have an easier time than kids from the city. And they felt that was probably because the kids in the city are more left brain trained earlier. The Americans, we haven't done it formally in school too much, but there are pretty amazing things out there. There's some things online you can see where they totally blindfold children and adults that are blind legally or or from birth. Mm -hmm. And those kids can read, catch balls in the air, uh, do all kinds of things without any, quote, physical vision uh, operating. Uh, And there are courses you can take to learn how to do that in Europe and in the United States. Um, So there's, uh, we play with this stuff around the edges a bit at this point. I'd love to see it in high school and grade school uh, that we begin to, Teach kids a little bit more is more than possible. How is that possible for someone to be to not have their physical eyesight and to be able to yeah. Yeah. You know, when a ball is coming in to catch it? I think you have to rely on us being more than our physical bodies, more than 98 cents or whatever it is now in chemicals, uh, and rely on, on that we have a set of senses uh, that uh, often can parallel or be reinterpreted back into physical terms. So somebody, you know, if they get a message from spirit, may hear it as a voice, um, or they may telepathically know it and put it into words. But that's, to me, part of who we are. I think there's good knowledge that we survive physical death through the um, near-death experience literature, as well as um, Uh, the research on incarnation and stuff, the body of research on a lot of this is huge. And so people go, well, Joe, why why don't people know about it? There's quite a few people invested in this not getting out. Um, Fundamentalist religious feel this is of the devil. Atheists feel like we're, this is non-material, so it's gotta be fake. Mm -hmm. And uh, various groups, Uh, get together and they have the ear of government and the press pretty strongly to debunk all of this. But if uh, an open-minded scientist looks at this stuff now, 
you know, we do studies um, showing pictures like of Hawaii on a screen, computers picking the picture. Uh, no, no human knows what's next. But once in a while, there'll be a disturbing picture going to be flashed. Uh, we can measure changes in the person's physiology before that picture is shown. Uh, and no human knows it's going to be shown. Um, HeartMath does some work that looks like perhaps that the heart has an intelligence that reacts faster than the brain to some of these things that we would call psychic. Big events like um, World Trade Center, when it came down, there's random number generators around the world who went out of order uh, reacting before the event happens. Um, and uh, we can say that part of this is part of our survival system. It would be useful in the woods or the jungle to know, uh, hey, that's not the right direction to go today. Uh, and we get missing by the tiger. Um, so there is a lot of theory that this is part of who we are um, that really helps our survival. Uh, but a lot of it's been suppressed by doing things like burning people at the stake who could do this. Um, that tends to make you uh, not talk about it. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Lottery, Dreams, and Fortune. My name is Timothy Schultz. I'm so grateful for you for listening. Now, if you want to watch this podcast on YouTube, I will put a link to the playlist for this podcast below, as well as a link to this specific video. Let me know in the comments below the video what you think of this interview. I love checking out your comments. As always, thank you so much for listening. Now, let's get back to the episode. Yeah, that's that's of course pretty pretty awful. But yeah. if so for the random number generators that have detected yeah. that were not random before major events happened and other things, people knowing things before it physically appears in this in this time, what do you think time is? Because we experience it with past, present and future, but I know in quantum yeah. mechanics, quantum mechanics points to that not necessarily being uh, true. So what, what's your yeah. opinion on that? Yeah. So, you know, this is going deep into the woods, Tim, but my point of view, and I would not, you know, shove it down anybody's throat. Everybody's got to find out themselves what they feel would be the truth would be if all is one and we're part of the oneness, the first thing we need to do to have an experience is to adopt an illusion that we're, we are separate from the one. So we adopt an illusion of separateness. The second thing we might adopt is an illusion of time so that we could have a linear experience, sequential cause effect kind of a learning. And we might ado adopt the illusion of space. And then we begin to you know, have this amazing ability to have an experience. Objectively, um, we already know that I'm sitting on a chair and you are, that's 99.9999% nothing, <clears throat> but we consider it solid. That's an illusion. Um, all of recorded history is less than a millimeter of paint on top of the world's top, tallest skyscraper compared to all the time that's been there on earth already. So our life is just uh, not even one little click and we know that there are clouds in the space that are 12 and a half trillion light years across. So we are very, very tiny. 
we exist for a very, very short amount of time. And look what we can do with it. We can have this amazing life uh, experience that we unwind in what's basically a nano second of space time. Uh, so within that, the way I look at it would be linear time as we experience would be like you're walking along a ruler and you're at inch one and you can see inch two and you can imagine inch three ahead of you as you walk along through time next year, the year after. But you can float above the ruler and see the whole thing at once. Okay. And then you would see this is a yardstick and, um, and both are real. Uh, the experience of walking along as well as above looking down. Uh, neither is more real than the other. Uh, and time to me is like that. There's a paradox to it. Uh, you know, if we said today we're gonna meet at two o'clock, that hel is helpful. We can use that as a coordinate, but it's a mutually agreed upon illusion <laughs> that allows to have experience. And illusion is not necessarily bad. It's just, uh, helpful in certain points of view and other ones it would not be. So there's places where there's good and evil and people do bad to you and you do good and places where you need forgiveness of others and forgiveness of yourself. And there may be levels above that where uh, there, those polarities are, are looked at in a different way and there there's no need of forgiveness because it doesn't compute because there is no bad and good, black and white, hot and cold, whatever, those are perspectives that we are taking uh, that are very real at the level we're operating. Um, you know, somebody steals your money, that's a bad thing on one level. Um, so anyway, I don't know if we want to go that far, but uh, when you say what is time, the, the interesting thing is it seems like with psychokinesis and with energy healing, and I think with manifestation, there is a winking out of normal linear time where this comes in, something from the infinite quote, comes in and allows that healing to occur, allows that metal to bend, allows the slot machine to land on a royal flush. In manifesting big things, also that happens. So there's this intention and then there's a letting go where we can slip out of linear time, locked in sequential, logical, left brain kind of ego, egoic thinking into something else. And that's where these things happen from my point of view. And you mentioned the Royal Flush, but and you mentioned a couple of the, a few of the wins earlier in the interview, but that you have witnessed or that you're aware of what types of wins are most common with being able to manifest that sort of thing? And also with that, many people that are watching this are hoping to win the lottery or win prizes. Mm -hmm. And many of them are very open-minded or into manifestation in our consciousness. So what tips can you give to, to people? Okay, kind of quickly. Um... It's a little easier, if you will, in a class like the Inner Vegas Adventure as a group to be encouraged. And we tend to affect the role of dice and patterns or a slot machine type of things. When you go to a lottery, the problem is there's not a clarity of intention. What do I mean? 
I could get all everybody in my group that I'm in Vegas with to agree we're all going to focus on the number nine on the dice and have that come in. And that works really well. Now I say, okay, it's lunchtime, let's order pizza. And 18 people could argue for an hour about ordering a pizza. There'd be vegans, vegetarians, meat lovers, people that don't like anchovies, don't like mushrooms or do. And, and getting coherence is tough. In a lottery, you have somebody needing a new kidney, somebody with an autistic child, somebody wanting to start a new business, all thinking different numbers. Okay, so from a psychokinetic event, uh, lotteries are tough. There was some information I saw that after 9-11, in pick three in New York State at least, 9-11 came up more often because more people were thinking of it as a group. So if we could all think of the same lottery number, it would be likely to come in, but we're not. We're all thinking different numbers. Um, that said, I would give the tip of picking numbers that have deep meaning to you. The other thing would be that it seems to me that the universe cooperates when you are going to do something that will not only benefit you, but benefit a lot of other people. And so it perhaps would be easier if you wanted a million dollars to come up with an idea and over the weekend you could make a million on the web. Uh, but it's in a way that helps people. I'm going to give an example. One guy I know, he had a son, awkward adolescent, I think, uh, guy. And he started a channel as he was repairing cars, I think it was. And he just talked about difficulties with parents and kids, and, you know, friends and all that. And I, I said, how's he doing? And dad said, well, he's doing pretty good. He makes about 150000 a month uh, because he's got his millions prescribers, subscribers or whatever. And it's doing good. It's keeping kids from committing suicide and doing crazy stuff because they have some place to listen and understand they're not so weird. Uh, so I looked at other channels and there's one called Laura, Laura Farms, just a Midwestern farmer daughter. Uh, on a farm, she's got 875,000 subscribers watching her run around the tractor. Um, and and you watch the show and it makes you feel good. It's, it helps you see where the food comes from. So uh, there's maybe easier ways than winning the lottery. And that's you and your spirit guides have, you know, worked it out ahead of time. Um, and, and I would start with getting some confidence um, See if you can go and I don't know, three out of five times when you go and buy scratch tickets for five bucks, do you win? You know, on a three to five different days and get to a place where you can do that pretty reliably. Um, and then if you want to go for the big one, there's nothing wrong with that. I visualize that as how it's going to be good for you and others. Pay very much attention to if any party because ah, that wouldn't be good for me. You know, people will try to kidnap my relatives and hold them ransom. I'll have to pay a lot of taxes. Gosh knows what would go through a person's mind to clean that all up and clear it up. Um, but to realize still, there are many other people out there who would like to win that week. And many of them have ideas that it would be very good to do too. So um, you're using more intuition often about what numbers might come in. You mentioned a dream. I've known people who see the lottery number repeating in a dream. Intuitionally, you might have an easier time. If you go to more simple, 
like pick five or pick three, I know a guy who's uh, won enough to pay for sports uniforms for the entire county, all the schools, Pee Wee all the way up by doing pick three. And what he would do is look on his kitchen table and he'd use a candle, upright candle for the number one, a donut for zero, et cetera. And he'd just say, okay, this week, one, one, zero came in. So that's candle, candle, donut. And he would look at that. And then after a few weeks of doing that, he'd say, okay, what am I gonna see next week on my table? Okay. And if he'd see donut, donut, candle, he would be bet zero, zero, one. And he won consistently enough, as I mentioned, to spit to uh, pay for the uniforms for everybody. Um, that would be a way to begin to practice your skills. Because seeing a donut or a candle is easier than picking numbers out of the air <laughs> for some reason for most people. Yeah. And, and was he seeing those in his in his mind or was he physic was he seeing those in his he was, he was the more uh, as best i know the guy a knower which is what i am where i don't see visions very often uh or hear voices very often there's been exceptions to that but in general i would know so i would say i would be closing my eyes and thinking okay what's on my table tomorrow if that's when the drawing is and I would put it in terms of I have an impression of, um, and I do that on dice. For some reason, five five equals ten to me looks like a constellation of stars. And we drive a Subaru, and Subaru is the Pleiades in Japanese, which is a constellation of stars. So if I want to roll a five on dice, I will say Subaru, and I'll roll that. And the crew doesn't know what the heck I'm doing, but it worked, okay? Because that's an image for me that's visual. Uh, somebody who misses their six-pack of beer when they're rolling dice might see a six-pack of beer. Someone who's hungry might be a, a tin of six cookies or, or uh, cupcakes, something like that that makes it more relatable to your unconscious than just words. Mm. <laughs> Uh, so again, uh, on my table for a six, I might have a, one of those uh, muffin tins that have six holes in them. You know, that would be the vision that I want my future self to send me back so I know what number to pick. What number will my future self see tomorrow on the kitchen table? I might see if I saw three different cookie tins, then I'd pick 666. I saw cookie tin, donut cookie tin, I'd pick zero, 0606. Is that making sense, Tim? Yeah, so this is your future self? The way the you're way it's you, sending you, know, you back again, information? When you say future self, it implies there is time. You know, so again, you know, it's a way of talking about it. But let's mm. say we're accessing the where we need to be to get that information. Mm. If you look at that in press, past, present, future uh, senses, then, yeah, in, you know, let's use the term future self for want of a better. You could say your guardian angel. You could say your, your living energy dolphin, whatever, uh, can swim back and tell you. But um, it's got to be something that feels believable to you enough that at least, oh, I'll give this a try. Mm. And 
uh, the the main lotteries. Of course, you know there are fifty plus symbols now, or numbers. But I have had one lady program herself six symbols a week, saying whenever the number is zero, I'm going to see a donut. Whenever the number is one, I'm going to see a candle. Whenever it's five, I'm going to see whatever. And she got that all down in her mind and then said, okay, what would I see this week? And she got five out of the six numbers. Wow. With coming to her in symbols the day before uh, of the ones she had programmed in to see. Um, a lot of work. <laughs> and... Uh, and maybe the universe would say, hey, you got some talent. Why don't you do something that would be of great benefit to others and we'll flow money to you for it. Mm -hmm. and, and the money will come naturally when you're doing what you enjoy and you have passion for it. That's incredible. And then so th that's choosing your numbers. But what about if you're playing a slot machine or if you're playing a lottery that's random, ran mm -hmm. yeah, a quick pick, computer generated quick, something that's randomly yeah. Generator, you're not choosing the outcome with right. the numbers. Is that different in in how to approach that? Well, again, I would be relying more on my intuitional skills and my psychokinetic skills, if you will. And so, okay, I'm going to go get a quick pick. When does it feel right to go to the store? Which store it feels right to go in? Um, and and if I were looking at a a board of 35 different scratch tickets, which one glows, which one jumps out at me. Those kind of warm, you know, I'm getting a warm, fuzzy feeling that that's what you hear. Um, it felt was the right time to buy the ticket. I felt like I was going to win. I uh, felt like while my wife was getting her hair done, I should go across the street and buy that ticket. Uh, often when you get to it and very successful people in business, you know, entrepreneurs and, and CEOs will say, I don't, I'm not psychic at all, but I go with my gut, you know, this idea of feeling. Um, so I would, you know, someone else has more confidence maybe in logic, you know, like, well, the numbers X, Y, and Z have not come up in 30 weeks, so they're bound to hit. Somebody else would say the most common numbers that have come up in this last 30 weeks are these exact opposite set, but they feel more confident in those. Uh, but you gotta, you know, have the energy flowing. So, whatever story you tell yourself, it better be one that contains something that you're attracted to as truth for you. And if you think, ah, oh, I'm unlucky, I'll never win, then you know. That's the story you're telling. Mm. Or the money. My dad was amazing at scratch tickets. He would go, and each time he'd go to cash in, he'd have, have more. But I'd say, Dad, buy a ticket for the big lottery. Oh, no, that big money would ruin you guys. And his life experience, he was a very generous guy. He got audited every year by the IRS for because they didn't believe somebody would give that much money to charity. And I admired him very deeply. But in his life experience, the rich people he met were not very nice as he was growing up. And so he had a feeling that money could ruin you. And then that's hard for me not to pick up because I admire the guy, right? 
So I have to do some work on cleaning up that energy again to a place where I would see money in large quantities as a, a good that will not harm me spiritually, that would not harm my family because of our fame, whatever it might be, for that energy to be clear enough, I think, for most people to be able to execute a win. Hmm. So that's very interesting. I'm not going to take up too much more of your time. We are running kind of short on time, but I do have a couple more questions. And I did, I don't know, have you heard the quote from Henry Ford, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right? Mm-hmm. That's. I would agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and maybe I would add whether you feel you can or you feel you can't is even more important than whether you think it. Some people believe that everything is just mere coincidence and, mm-hmm. you know, that's what's what they believe. But what would you say that luck is? Well, the old idea of preparation plus opportunity is one definition uh, pointing to things. I think there's room for grace um, where maybe you've been behaving badly and not living well in terms of thinking negative thoughts because you've been out of work for months and whatever, and somebody can smile at you at just the right time or give you a book that's a real grace in your life that turns things around at a time where you may not, quote, deserve it. You know, you've not been doing all the good mental positivity that we've been talking about. I think that's possible as well. Um, So there are random events, um, and then there's influencing things, and they, um, it's a real interesting thing to be alive because those two intermix and cosa, you know, combine. Uh, in many shows, people will say, gee, Doc, if they have a call-in part, everything in my life has gone lousy from the day I was born till now. And, and I go, you know, I'm compassionate about that. But I go, wow, most people have an average mix of good and bad. So you must be influencing things. Now all we need to do is take away the fear and maybe you'll be able to influence things in a positive direction. And that often will, will change things. They're highly influential. Some people, their lives are pretty random. They're not influencing much directly. And other people influence quite a bit. And whether it's positive or negative depends on their belief, and which usually depends on how they are raised and what their experience has been so far. And, and what would you say to most people are watching this interview are very much into this, into these types of things, and or at least open-minded to it. But what would you say to someone that, that's skeptical? I'd let them. If I want to tease them, you know, when I talk about my Vegas venture workshop, many people go, they tighten and they go, oh, I don't gamble. And I go, wow, you came to this planet, you got married, you had kids, you're a high roller. Wouldn't it be better to learn how to risk intelligently because the risk is how we learn and grow. Um, If that risk is a lottery ticket or a roll of the dice, it's fairly safe compared to the risk of walking across the street without looking both ways, okay? And yet, you know, we we don't teach kids in school how to risk intelligently, what risk is about. And in fact, as humans, we assess danger very poorly we are more afraid of strangers than the people we know, yet it's more likely the people we know will hurt us than strangers would in terms of like assault us in the street or whatever, a gun. So that uh, there's, there's long-term risk, you know, from smoking or overeating. 
And we tend not to evaluate that as much as some risk like a tiger right in front of us that we could see. Um, and the tiger might be less interested in eating us, <laughs> uh, you know. So learning about risk and learning about this stuff, um, I think is very helpful to get through a life. Some professions deal with this a lot, like a police officer or somebody, a soldier, having to learn about following their intuition because they're at risk of their life. If they go, gee, you know, what are you fooling around with lottery tickets? It's a way to play with this without having very much at risk, you know, two bucks, potentially. And yet you could learn a lot. Yes, absolutely. So we are here with Dr. Joe Gallenberger. He is the author of Liquid Luck, Inner Vegas, Heaven is for Healing, and he has some uh, workshops that are fascinating workshops, Inner Vegas Adventure. But where, for people watching or listening to, to this interview, where can people find find your workshops and your books and, and learn more about you? I think going to my website, which is sync, S-Y-N-C, creation, C-R-E-A-T-I-O-N.com. If you go there, there's a product section with a bunch of meditations and exercises you could do and uh, some descriptions of workshops. But under a tab on the left that says previous newsletters, there's lots of articles that have tips about how to do these kinds of things we're talking about today, how to do energy healing or psychokinesis, and they're free. So you can go to the website and learn uh, quite a bit that way. And if you're a reader, uh, you could start with Liquid Luck. It's a short book, but it'll have uh, quite a bit in it that you might find interesting. And you can get that on Amazon or at the website Sync Creation. I have so many more questions for you today than we're going to have time for. But do you have anything else that you wanted to say today that, that I don't know enough to ask or, or that you just wanted to say? I guess I feel we're at an inflection point and I want the world to be really good for my grandkids. And what's going on now is they're using fear to sell us lots of things. Uh, and and uh, so on my wall is a statement that says, fear is expensive, love is priceless, choose wisely. Uh, and I think as a culture as a whole, we need to begin to open our hearts, be in positive energy, reduce our fears in order to create and manifest a really good life uh, on this planet for ourselves and those who follow us. And and probably the biggest danger is if we just succumb to fear, uh, that we are limited and selfish beings who are, you know, are just running amok, uh, then that tempts us to think heaven's going to be somewhere else someday, maybe. Um, and I'd like us to create paradise here on the planet um, because it's a beautiful planet and we have the capacity to create what we want. It's a free choice universe. Let's choose love over fear. Beautifully said. Dr. Joe Gallenberger, thank you so much for your time. It's a privilege and an honor to meet you here today. And I'd love well, to, to have you back another time in the future. But thank you so much. Sure. Take good care, everybody listening, and Tim, you as well. Have a great week. You too.
So that was my interview with Dr. Joe Gallenberger. Thank you so much for listening. Let me know what you think of this interview by going to the YouTube page and leave a comment with your thoughts on this interview. I love checking out your comments and then we'll put a link to that page below. There are new interviews coming soon. As always, thank you so much for listening and thank you for your support.